In the spring of 2020, a few weeks into the lockdown caused by the pandemic, I was seeking direction from God in what was the next step for me in my life. My wife and I unknowingly were also at the beginning stages of our infertility journey, which kind of added to this feeling of disorientation and my desperate need for direction. Now, with everything closed and working from home, I kind of find my, found myself, like many others, with a few extra hours in the day. Gyms were closed, so in order to kind of stay in shape, I just kind of decided to take up running. Now, I never considered myself much of a runner. Most of my cardiovascular work came from just playing soccer and, and any sort of practice, just kind of doing speed work. It was just short bursts, never anything past like five miles. Anything past five, five miles to me was just kind of boring. Long distance running was not something that I was looking forward to doing. But it's kind of the only choice I had, so I kind of took, up, took it up. Now, to my surprise, running became something that I looked forward to. But not because I enjoyed the challenges that came from running, but because of the time that I got to spend with Jesus. I would go on my runs and not take my phone, not take any music. I would just It was just me and Jesus. Running became the one place where I couldn't escape all of the emotions, the feelings, the thoughts that I would dismiss throughout the busyness of my day. Now, the reason why I say it's extended is because I would still have my morning time with God. I would get up early in the mornings, have my cup of coffee, do some silence and solitude, read my Bible, journal, read some of the books that are on my shelf. But I know that because of what I was going through, that just simply wasn't enough. So one day, I was out like normal, running and conversing with God. And about halfway through the run, out of nowhere, in my mind, my mind took me to relive a memory of an event that happened when I was seven years old. I wasn't a, now, this wasn't a fun or joyful memory. It was actually quite the opposite. It was a traumatic memory that was painful and uncomfortable to relive. That mile was literally the toughest mile that I have ever ran. I have never experienced such mental and emotional weight on a run, not to mention the physical toll that it takes to run. And after reliving that memory and just being in that uncomfort, I asked God, what do you want me to do with this now? Like, you made me kind of relive one of the most painful parts of my childhood. Like, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do with this? And all I heard back, kind of like in the back of my mind, was this small voice that said, share it with your wife. To say that I was confused is an understatement. The rest of the run, I was just questioning what had taken place. And if I could, if that was even God, I mean, this was a hard request for me that made me feel even more uncomfortable. And I, I was confused by the whole thing because I started out my run seeking guidance for the future. And I was led to just kind of relive something from my past. And now I'm being asked to share it with my wife. I was hesitant, but reluctantly, I kind of agreed to lean in. But like any person would do, I, I kind of set some stipulations and I said, God, I will only do this if my wife is home al alone and if she specifically and directly asked me, how was your run? Now, in my mind, this was safe. This was like a safe stipulations because my wife was working from home and was always busy. She, she led a team and she was always on phone calls and just always 
just kind of going back and forth with her, um, with the people in her team. So she always had her hands full. And she would almost never come outside unless it was absolutely necessary. And we also had our, our son. He was a toddler. He was two at the time. And he was always at home running around and, and always making noise because, you know, we didn't have, there weren't any childcare at the time. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as I got home, she was in the kitchen waiting for me and asked, how was your run? So I asked, where's my boy? Where's our boy? And she said, well, the nanny took him out on a walk. And all I could do was just smile. And I hesitated, but I chose to lean in and trust what God was asking me to do. So I said, hey, if you have a minute, I'd love for you to sit down. I want to. There's some things I want to share with you that just kind of took place on my run. She's like, sure, I'd, lo- I'd love to. So we sat down and I shared with her what took place on my run and the event that took place when I was younger and how I was being asked to share this with her. Her words were few, and I don't think it was because she was shocked. I think it was more because she was sensitive of what had taken place. She gently put her hand on my shoulder and said, hey, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I just want you to know that I'm here for you and that I love you. Now, I've been a follower of Jesus for almost 14 years, and I, that is the first time that I can recall that I heard the Spirit of God speak to me. Now, things are always easier to notice in hindsight. But when we're going through something, it can be difficult to know when, how and when God speaks to us. Many of us can spend our entire lives following Jesus and, and struggle and have a difficult time confidently recognizing when the Father speaks to us. Now, when we look at the Bible... We see that God speaking in the Old Testament. He speaks through prophets. He speaks through dreams. But in the New Testament, in the account of Jesus' baptism that we find in Matthew verse 3, verses 16 through 17, something powerful takes place. There is a recorded account of God speaking. And in the four Gospels, only twice is there a recorded account of God, the Father, speaking directly to the world from heaven. And it happens at Jesus' baptism and at his transfiguration. And in both times, the Father says almost the exact same thing. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, words fall short to explain how deep and intimate this moment is between the two of them. God speaking to Jesus at his baptism gives us a small window into the loving embrace of a father to a son. God speaking is proof of how close the father is to his son. Heaven is now truly on earth. God speaking in this moment demonstrates that he is no longer silent and distant, but he is up close and personal. God's plan has always been for us to be in close relationship with him. From the very beginning, God created us to be in a close and intimate relationship with Him. And like all relationships, God wants it to be interactive and to converse with us. His desire is for us to seek Him, to desire Him, to love Him with all of who we are. And He wants us to engage with Him and for our hearts to become fully dependent on Him and for our prayers to express our desire, our worship, our adoration, most importantly, our need for Him, for His presence in our lives. 
God speaking is not just this mystical event that only happens to a chosen few people. It is actually something that should be expected because he is close and personal to every single one of us. The closeness and the interactions that we see between Jesus and his father throughout the scriptures, we can also experience if we truly desire that. In fact, this is what the gospel is all about. Jesus' entire life puts on display what a loving relationship with God looks like. But he also shows us and teaches that this level of depth and intimacy, this interactive, this loving relationship between God the Father and us as his children, his, his sons and daughters, is available and accessible to every single person here on earth. Now. Listen to the words of Brother Lawrence um, in his book, uh, Practicing the Presence of God. He says, There is not in the world a kind of life more set and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. And yet, I do not advise you to do it from that motive. It is not pleasure which we ought to see in this exercise. But let us do it from a principle of love and because God would have us. We are meant to live in a deep and intimate relationship with God our Father. And that includes an interactive and ongoing conversation with Him. Where we can speak to Him and He speaks to us. Our relationship with the Father is not a one-way relationship where we are the ones that do all of the speaking and He just listens. Or vice versa. A relationship, similar to our relationships with one another, is meant to be dynamic and interactive. But I would argue that the challenge that most of us face as followers of Jesus is, how do we hear the voice of God? And how do we confidently know that it's Him? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to actually talk about at least three ways in which God speaks to us. We will take a look at how God speaks to us through His Word, through Scripture, through our life experiences, kind of kind of what we go through, and through impressions that kind of come in the form of our thoughts as ways in which he communicates. Now, if you want further um, information on just kind of this, uh, this topic of, of hearing God speaks to us, Dallas Willard has this amazing book, which I kind of took some of uh, these elements from. Um, it's called Hearing God. And Dallas Willard is a phenomenal pastor, uh, spiritual formation, um, theologian, and, and I think it will be a great resource for, for you um, to read if you want to continue this topic. But first, I just kind of want to set the foundation. We cannot look at these ways, these three ways, as a formula to hearing God when we need something. Like if we're going through a life situation, we can't say, okay, I'm going to practice, I'm going I'm to seek his word, I'm going to see what I'm kind of going through and what are the thoughts just so I can get an answer. No, no. These ways of hearing God are more elements, the parts of an intimate relationship with the Father. Because hearing God's voice and living in His presence are one of the same. Our ability to hear His voice and know His presence actually measure the depth of intimacy and depth that exists in our relationship with Him. In order for us to know His voice and live in His presence, we must make our relationship with Jesus our number one priority. 
This is why this is the greatest commandment. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Learning to hear God's voice and being sensitive to His presence are a part of a loving relationship. And a relationship with Jesus takes time and intentionality on our part. Our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing that we can focus on in our lives. And growing in depth and intimacy with Him is actually the purpose of our lives. What this means for us is that we must work to eliminate distractions and we must work to slow our lives down enough where Jesus gets more than just a few minutes sprinkled here and there. I think this is the number one issue that we face today. We are just incredibly busy. We are so we're constantly being stimulated. Where our hands are constantly on a screen. We're constantly just trying to do things that we expect God to hear God's whisper when we're running a hundred miles an hour. We need to be able to slow down. We need to be able to. Spend time with the one we love because intimacy and depth is actually a mutual bond between us and Jesus. When we give him the time, he creates the space to meet us. So let's begin. If you're taking notes, it's number one. We become familiar with the character of God through his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says this, all of scripture is God-breathed and is it is useful. See, the word of God, scripture, is essential, is essential for, to us as, Jesus, as followers of Jesus. Not just because it is a story of God's love for humanity, but it is God's word, his spirit, God's heart being displayed through words. The Bible helps us become familiar with who he is. It's not just a book filled with stories, teachings, and just people and a bunch of dates. Yes, the Bible consists of these things. But above it all, it allows us to become familiar with who God is. Dallas Willard says this. He says, in the most primary of senses, the word of God is simply God speaking. The scriptures help us to understand the character of the Father, to become familiar with his ways and his works. Spending time in the Bible allows us to become familiar with the character of God. God is always consistent. He is actually the only thing in this world that exists that never changes. And the more that we devote ourselves to reading the scriptures, the more that we become familiar with Him. The more time we spend with Him, God slowly begins to reveal Himself. However, we cannot approach the Bible like an ordinary book and just try to read it as fast as we can. We can't just try to read the Bible through a year because we're speed reading. The Bible is more of God's living word. When taken in slowly, it is transformative to our hearts because we all know this transformation takes time. The Word of God becomes the vehicle where the Holy Spirit reaches and touches our hearts. That's why we must approach His Scripture slowly 
and take our time. The monks, I won't go too much into detail, but if, if, if you're interested in it, um, the monks have this way of um, reading scriptures called Lectio Divina, which in Latin just means divine reading. You kind of read a pa the passage, a small, small chapter, a few verses, you open it up, you read it, you stop, you slow down, you pray. You invite the Holy Spirit to come in and to speak to you. And you read that same passage again. You stop, you pray, you kind of meditate on what's happening. And then when you read it a third time, you highlight a word or two words or something that just kind of stands out. And as you close your eyes that third time, you just kind of stop and you meditate on those words. You pray about them. You see how they come to life in your own heart. And then when you read it again, you read it with that new kind of scope, with that phrase or those few words. And then lastly, you ask God, okay, what, what do you want me to do with this? Like, what, what does this mean for me? Sometimes he may lead you to something, sometimes not. And you just got to sit in it. You just got to sit in it. And you got to sit in it. It's called Lectio Divina. There's plenty of literature on, on, that, on, on that style of reading if you're, if you're interested. But God slowly begins to reveal himself through scripture. His revelation to us is a personal revelation. This happens as, we allow, um, as he allows us to see and experience who he is through his words. Scripture suddenly pierces our hearts and allows us to see something that we had never seen before. A story that we may have been familiar with, that we have heard hundreds of times, now touches our souls and allows us to see the heart of God. The Word of God is the food that nourishes the human soul. Here's the second way. We, be, we, be, we come to sense His presence through our circumstances. Romans 8, 28, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Now, we're all facing all different kinds of challenges throughout our lives. However, all that we go through is not always a test from God or lessons that He wants us to learn. Because if that were the case, then God's love would be conditional. The truth is, is that God's love is unconditional. There are certain things we go through because he does want, like a loving father, he wants to teach us something, he wants to show us something. But not everything that we go through is a test from him or there's a lesson that he wants us to learn. The truth is, is that God's love is unconditional. However, there is something else at play. There is evil in this world that is always working against us. Evil that envies our love and devotion for Jesus and will do all it can to distract us, to make us question God's love for our lives, and to redirect our devotion for God to Himself. In the midst of our trials, the lie that the enemy, that the devil throws our way, is that we are alone. Going through a challenging time is difficult, but feeling that we're alone and God is nowhere to be seen makes the circumstances even worse. The devil knows that the feeling of abandonment opens the door to sin. Because human, humanly, like in our human heart, feeling alone and abandoned actually amplifies the suffering. 
and we become lost and disoriented. And in order to find some sort of stability and security, we will naturally look and seek for ways to take kind of control of the situation for ourselves. And we kind of edge God out. And this is what sin does. Sin offers us a short fix to the challenges that are at hand. At the very worst, we renounce the faith and walk away. Our pain turns to anger and our anger and in our anger we look for someone to blame. So naturally we look to God to blame him for our circumstances and we refuse to want anything to do with him. In the midst of our suffering, God provides us with what we need. And that goes far beyond the solution or the answer to the problems of our lives. What our souls truly desire more than anything else is to be seen and to be loved. God, in our trialing circumstances, gives us himself, the presence of God. Seasons of trial and suffering usher us into a deeper intimacy with Him. An intimacy that goes beyond words. It's an intimacy of knowing His presence in our lives. Experiencing the presence of God in the midst of our trials and tribulations gives us the strength we need to endure. Knowing that we're not alone, but that we're loved, actually breathes life into our hearts. Our trust in the Father becomes stronger because of the shift that takes place inside of our souls. Because knowing that God is with us allows us to discern that our circumstances are not a result of God punishing us or God abandoning us, but that the real enemy is actually trying to separate us from God. The enemy is trying to actually take advantage of our situation and lead us astray. But knowing that God is with us debunks all the lies that the en- of the enemy and gives us the strength to press on and endure. God wants us to to turn to Him, to come to Him, to seek Him out of reverence, out of love, but I think most importantly, out of trust. To seek Him for safety, security, and strength. To lean on Him and place our trust in His hand. This is what the presence of God gives us. It gives us all that we need to push forward. And I'm just kind of reminded of the words of Teresa of Avila, where she says, don't just seek the consolations of God, but seek the God of consolation. So here's the third way. We hear the Father's voice through our thoughts. Galatians 5, verse 25, says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what allows us to have this kind of interactive, this dynamic relationship with God. And it is through the Spirit that we're able to commune with Him, to be in relationship with Him, to be connected with Him. Therefore, it is through the Spirit that we're able to communicate with Him as well. We all have a way in which we talk to ourselves in our heads. Come on, let's be honest. If we're working out, there's just that self-talk that says, come on, just push more, one more, more, don't quit. And when we're alone, you know, we like to have conversations with ourselves and so on. When God speaks to us, it comes in the form of a thought, an impression that seems like it just came out of nowhere. 
Have you ever experienced anything like that? Where you're thinking about something and what seems like a, an idea that came out of way left field, you get like a revelation or an answer that just kind of comes to mind. That is exactly how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It feels like this random thought that all of a sudden strikes us. And this is how God speaks to us. Because it's personal through our thoughts. When we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was always in communication with the Father through the Spirit. That is how he moved in and through the world. Jesus was sensitive to the Spirit. And it was the Spirit that filled his heart up and showed him where to go, who to touch, who to heal, and what to say. He was always, Jesus was always seeking direction from the Father. His devotion to the Father came second to nothing. He made his time with the Father the number one thing in his life. He was always retreating to a place of silence and solitude to connect with the Father. In other words, to be filled with his Spirit and receive direction. In Matthew verse 11, Jesus says this, he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the, the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son desires to reveal him. Notice the intimacy that Jesus is trying to express, to try to kind of paint a picture of in this verse of Scripture. right? They, Jesus does nothing that the Father doesn't lead him to do. This is why it's so important for us to, to set some time aside and just spend time with the Father. We must make the time to slow down enough so that we can make Jesus our number one priority in our lives. Now, I just kind of want to throw a word of caution when it comes to hearing God through our thoughts. Those thoughts that we get need to also be checked. All these three ways kind of all go hand in hand. They work together. Our thoughts need to be consistent with His Word. God's not going to put this thought to go hurt somebody because it goes against His character. But also we can seek spiritual direction from our brothers and sisters to let them into, into what we're hearing so that it can be affirmed by those around us. We're made to be in relationship with people. and We need to allow people to, to, to speak into our lives and trust that the Spirit of God is, 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 is working through them. Right? There's also processes and ways to discern that we have got to take everything with a little bit of grain of salt. But when you add Scripture... When you add what you're kind of going through, life experiences, and those impressions, they all should line up. And when that trifecta kind of lines up, that's when you know God is leading. That's when you know God is kind of pushing you in a, direct, in a, in a certain direction. And then when you add a community around you that affirms that and supports that and encourages that, then you're like, okay, like, it's time to move. Like, God's, I don't know if God could be any more clear. In closing, trusting that the Spirit of God was leading me to share with my wife one of the most intimate and vulnerable parts of my life was not easy. After several days that had passed, 
I prayed about what the meaning of all, all this can mean. Like, what, what does this all mean? And I came to the conclusion that as I was seeking direction for what was next for me, God was leading me closer to him, to himself. I realized that my wife's words and reaction was the first time that I had tangibly experienced the Father's love and grace in my life. Up until this point, I had based my relationship with Jesus on my works. My love for him was very conditional and it was based on my circumstances. To add to the fact that I was working for a church and I was a pastor, it just made that situation a little bit more complex, I should say. So I saw God's goodness very circumstantial. In other words, if things were good, then God was good. And if things weren't good, then my faith and trust in God would actually falter. And as I was looking for what was next, God was leading me to a more to a deeper and more intimate relationship with him. He was leading me into a journey where my heart needed some deep healing. Now, I had seen a psychologist in the past and had extensive conversations about what had taken place when I was younger. But I soon began to realize that the healing that I thought I had received wasn't true healing at all. It was a temporary fix that just kind of helped me move on. Don't get me wrong, what the psychologist, what that therapy helped me do was just kind of put words and finally be able to get it out and, 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 and kind of come to face with the emotions and just kind of the trauma of what had taken place. But I was still living with a deep wound, a wound that only the loving, the, the loving touch of a father could heal. Even though I wanted what was next, the Father was calling me to Himself. And this is what began my journey of spiritual formation. I wanted to seek Jesus. I genuinely desired to seek Jesus to meet me in my depths of my own heart and begin the healing work. Because without Him, I'm nothing. Without his work in my life, I cannot be the man that he has created me to be. Hearing his voice and living in his presence is what a relationship with Jesus is all about. This is the only thing that matters. Devotion to Jesus, though, does come at a cost. It's costly for us to let go of the things that make us feel safe and secure and place our trust in the Father's hands. But this is where the beauty and the gift of spiritual disciplines come in our lives. God doesn't just say, hey, come to me. Like, I'm trying to and figure it out. No, no, Spiritual disciplines are kind of like our guides. They kind of become like, if you've ever been bowling and you have little kids, you kind of put the railings on the side so the ball doesn't go off to the side. And it just kind of um, hits back and forth until it hits at least one of the pins. Spiritual disciplines become those bumpers in our lives. They help us see what are the things that are preventing us and holding us back from truly experiencing depth and intimacy with the Father. They help us empty ourselves so that we can receive more of His Spirit in our lives. Because the truth remains that depth and intimacy with the Father 
in that relationship allows us to hear his voice and to live in his presence. Henry Nouwen said this, a spiritual practice is where we make the space to hear the Father's voice call us a beloved son and a beloved daughter. What is Jesus inviting you to today?